is it conclude? I think it's conclude, isn't it? Our series on the glorious gospel and uh, that we've been journeying through this term. So my name is Rachel, very warm welcome to you this morning, married to Alan, got little boy Caleb, who I think this is like the first time we've been meeting here for about a year. Um, he's actually napping. This is the first time we've actually managed to get him to go to sleep here in Church in the Grass. So big parenting win. Um, so yeah, like Alan said, um, we moved here about 17 months ago. Um, so before this, I was a maths teacher in Leicester, um, studied maths over in Loughborough, and um, we have our friends there from Loughborough today, which is great to have those. And uh, yeah, so we moved here, so back to North Wales for me, it's where I grew up. And um, yeah, just a real passion for local church and um, just being used by God and the Holy Spirit to impact the world that we live in. And so just to recap you all, we've been going through this whole term, we've been going through the glorious gospel. So looking as a community, what actually is the gospel of Jesus Christ? We kind of think we know it and sometimes we get distorted by our culture and our worldview but what actually is the good news of the kingdom of King Jesus? And um, so we've uh, been recapping what that looks in terms of the Jewish people. We've been looking at what that means in terms of Jesus' incarnation as God. We've been looking at what it means in the victory of Christ. And this morning, we're going to be looking at what does that mean in terms of God's plan for restoration? So what does restoration mean? Like when we hear the word restoration, it means the return to a former condition, place, or just go back for me, Chris, so I can read the under that definition. Return to a former condition, place, or position. 
to like going back to how things should have been. And like I know lots of you here are very uh, handy with your hands and so you might have done a lot of kind of restoration projects. I know Kirsty and Matt have had like a year long and ongoing restoring their house from this old cottage into the beautiful home that they're creating for their family. I know Alan loves, you went through a phase of buying a whole load of furniture, shabby chic in it. For lots of us, it's trying to restore our bodies to how we were in our pre-pregnancy or whatever it is. It's that restoration. We want that former condition of how we were when we were young and things weren't quite as saggy and it's that restoring back. Or it might be trying to restore our land back to the beauty that it was. Often we look around, don't we? I don't know about you, but I absolutely hate litter. I'm one of those people who like occasionally like just pick up other people's litter because it really bugs me. And particularly when we live in such a beautiful area. Oh, it's just horrible when you see it, isn't it? On the on the beaches or anything like that. I know Dylan's doing a massive week-long litter picking um, next week that would be great for us to help him with. But it's that restoring to the beauty that was, what it was created to be. We know when we see rubbish that it doesn't belong there. It shouldn't be there. It ruins what should be the beauty that God created. And so we have this four-part gospel, don't we, of creation, fall coming and sin coming in and the world being not as it should be. And then the resurrection and then this restoration process happening. But restore to what? When we say restoration, when we say God restoring humanity and the earth, what do we mean? What does it mean to be restored to God's original plan? And I think it's threefold in that way. It's restoring our relationship with God. What was that relationship supposed to look like between God and man? Right relationship with each other. When God created Adam and Eve, what, what was he wanting it to look like? What was he wanting marriage to look like? What was he wanting family to look like? What was he wanting the human heart to look like? Probably not a lot of what we see nowadays. And the right relationship with creation. How did he want humanity to interact with nature with his creation that he'd created. So this morning, we're going to be kind of going through scripture, but we're going to start this morning at the beginning and looking at Genesis, because I don't think we can really talk about restoration before we know what we're trying to restore back to. What was God's initial plan for us as humanity when he created the earth? And so right relationship with God, what did that look like? So if you've got your Bibles, um, turn to them. We've got some Bibles uh, in Welsh and English. So whichever one is your first language or you prefer to read scripture in, um, a lot of them will come up on the screen as well. So we're going to start off in Genesis 1, 27. So God created human being in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. 
this beautiful picture of God creating us in his image, male and female. He created them in his image. What is our original purpose as human beings on this earth? It's to reflect the image of God, our creator. And I'm sure looking around this room, each and every one reflect God in some ways. But we also reflect a whole load of other stuff and junk as well. And how do we restore that and get rid of the junk and the sin and the miss and the mark and head towards that original purpose of being image bearers of Christ? Our right relationship with each other. Again, let's go back to Genesis. What was God's intention when he created male and female? Then the Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. I don't know if you've ever been in a team that just, you know when you're part of a team that just flourishes, that is just working as it should be. And like everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone's just helping each other. Everyone's just loving serving one another to achieve a higher purpose. I hope we've all been part and worked in teams like that. But probably we've also worked in teams that were just like awful and people are shouting at each other or bossing each other around and not being gracious with each other or just having a go and nagging and all of that. We see it, don't we, in relationships. Like We see it in our own marriage. You know, there are times when you just think, we are rocking this whole marriage thing. We just come off a week of holiday, so we're really well rested, and it's been really lovely and great, and we've had lots of brilliant days out with Caleb, and we're all calm and l- great. And there are other times when it's like, why is marriage so hard? Why? Why do I not like you right now? we do forgive and we have to go through that process of oh right okay it's actually not just Alan there's probably some stuff in me as well but why is it so hard because we live in this fallen world but God's original relationship is that of the Trinity God Son and Holy Spirit this incredible relationship that just works together And yet we just look around and we've seen the relationship between male and female just been twisted and distorted And often our image of marriage and relationships and teamwork is not that of this great, helpful, achieving a higher purpose. And then right relationship with creation. As soon as Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and sin came into the world, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, in Genesis 3.17, the ground is cursed because of you. That's what God says to Adam. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Those of you that garden or work a lot on the land, we've got quite a big allotment. I'd like to say I did a lot of work on it, but I don't really. My dad does most of it. But it's a lot of work. And in different areas, we know when you see on TV, don't we, the land in some areas is really hard and we have to work really hard. We've just been in Ireland and obviously their history is full of issues with the land and the potato famine that happened across that country. It's not as it should be. 
How do we restore it to its original splendor? So we look at the gospel as this four-part gospel. So when God first created the Garden of Eden, heaven and earth existed within the same realm. Mankind dwelt with God in the garden, and the garden itself was a form of paradise. It was God's intention that heaven and earth continue to coexist like this. However, the fall of man made that impossible. I don't know if you've ever like, quite read the scripture in that way of heaven and earth existed side by side. That was God's original creation. And the fall came and they split, but there's this like in-between part where heaven touches earth. And I, I pray that we've all experienced moments like that where you've seen pure love, either in your own life or in others, or you've had moments of community that's just beautiful, where you've seen healing, miraculous healings happen, where things that were really broken, miraculously healed. I pray that you've seen it in relationships. I know we have, we've had relationships with friends that we thought were were broken. They were so far gone. There was so much hurt and anger and disappointment with each other. And yet the Holy Spirit working in both sides of the party's hearts, being able to forgive and being able to walk forward and work together. It was a miracle. Those in-between areas where heaven comes to earth. And I think often as Christians, the danger is that we see heaven as this kind of floaty above the sky, distant place. And if you've been a Christian a while, we kind of live in earth and it's just kind of like, okay, settle in, just I'll do a few good deeds here and there. But really, I'm just waiting to get to God or the kingdom of heaven or eternal life. And often we've kind of distorted the gospel into this two-part gospel of heaven and earth being totally separate things. But if we look at what Scripture says, Revelation is this really famous passage where it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. Just go to the next slide, please, Chris. So I, being a maths teacher, just Venn diagrams really help me. So we start off with creation and the great split happened, the fall happens and everything goes wrong. But we still are living in this tension of the in-between. How do we call down heaven to the here and now? And what are we restoring to? We're restoring to this new heaven and new earth where the two coincide. I want to read Revelations 21 verses 1 to 8. So a bit of reading, but if you've got your scriptures, turn to it. So Revelations 21, verses 1 to 8. I'm reading from the NLT version. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had, dis had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. 
God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. But I think it's really fascinating when we read that scripture about not everyone going up to heaven, but heaven coming down to earth. The new creation, new heaven and new earth talks about a new city, Jerusalem coming down as a new heaven and new earth established with God living amongst us, with no tears, no more death, sorrow or crying. So many of us are living in circumstances that are just not the way we intended. When we set off maybe in our teenage years thinking about our future We probably didn't envision maybe the lives that we're living right now, the brokenness, the disappointments that have come, whether that's in marriages or children or work or where we live, how we look even. And there's a longing in us to kind of turn back time, to be able to go back to maybe happier days. And often we can just, sometimes when we're in that place of desperation, we sit and just wait And just wait for when we get to heaven. And we see the gospel as this thing as, oh, I've just got to stick it out here on earth until I get to heaven. But I think Jesus really contradicts that thinking in what he says when he's here on earth. Here's just a few of kind of snippets of what Jesus says in Matthew 3 verse 2. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. On Mark 1, 14 to 15, the time, uh, just 15, sorry, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Or Luke 17, 21, this was like a big deal for, for the Jewish people. It's like, this is what they've been waiting for. They're like, when? When is this, when is the kingdom going to come? When? When? One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. So how does that work? If we have this two-part gospel where we think, right, just stick it out on earth, do my good deeds, and just wait until I get to heaven. How does that work when Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is already among you? And I think that's why we have to, as followers of Jesus, understand the concept of kingdom as this in-between. Not heaven and earth totally separate, but that when Jesus died on the cross, He created 
the connection of heaven coming down to earth. It's in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? On earth as it is in heaven. And how does that happen? How do we live with the kingdom of God in our lives? Through the Holy Spirit. This incredible gift that God gives to us as followers of Jesus. Tim Keller puts it in a great way, the four-part gospel. It's the story of sal- if the story of salvation is creation, fall, redemption, restoration, then things look different. The purpose of redemption is not to escape the re- world, but renew it. If we lose the emphasis on the corporate, on the kingdom, we lose the power of the gospel for cultural transformation. If we just live out our daily lives just thinking, settle in, because I'm waiting for a better day when there's no sorrow, when there's no pain, when there's no tears, we have, li- we have missed the greatest gift that God has given us of Jesus dying on the cross, making a way right now on the earth to bring the kingdom. I want us to be a community that every week there are stories of breakthrough, of healings, of hearing from God, and those words changing circumstances, changing lives. I don't want us to be a community that is just like, oh, we're just waiting for heaven, and it will be so good in heaven. I want to see the kingdom of God break out here on Anglesey. I want to see miracles. I haven't got a lot of miracle stories. I'd love to be able to stand here this morning and share them with you and inspire. But I don't. And for me, that's not good enough. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is here. And we know we live in this tension of that in-between. We know there is so much brokenness and death and sorrow. We know there is so much sickness, even in this room right now. But I also don't want to ignore what Jesus says and the power of the Holy Spirit that all the story says to me that when the Holy Spirit is at work, he changes things. When heaven touches earth. As Christians, we are called to live a life so transformed by this gospel that others glimpse in it the possibility of their own transformation and the world's. So we live and work in an age where the kingdom is already established but not yet concluded. Paul has this great verse in his letter to the Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 1. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun, and all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. 
For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. N.T. Wright, a famous theologian specializing on the New Testament, he says, you are not oiling the wheels of a machine that's about to roll over a cliff. You are not restoring a great painting that's shortly going to be thrown on the fire. You are not planting roses in a garden that's about to be dug up for a building site. You are, strange as it may seem, almost as hard to believe as the resurrection itself, accomplishing something that will become, in due course, part of God's new world. Everywhere on earth that Christ visited, he brought little pieces of heaven with him. And although we ultimately killed him on the cross, his death created a a permanent access point between heaven and earth. Today, Christ intercedes on our behalf and allows us to approach the throne of God whenever we desire through prayer. We underestimate the power we have when we pray. Though heaven and earth are still far from fully united, the two realms do overlap, thanks to the death of Christ. The ultimate sacrifice that offers us the forgiveness and sanctification we must have in order to interact with God and the heavenly realm. But I just love this image. And I love this image when I think about when I just go through my like boring, ordinary week, whether it's Kilkatiavi on a Tuesday or food shop in Aldi on a Thursday or meeting here with you guys on a Sunday. Of bringing the kingdom of God wherever I go. And my prayer is that I would become so much more aware of what God is doing and tapping into that. That as a community, we would be so thirsty for the Holy Spirit to break out in situations. If you've not, like, get to know Max. I love having conversations with Max when she's just like, yep, I was just driving on, saw someone on the side of the road, picked her up because they needed a lift, prayed healing for her. And I always notice the way she says it. She doesn't say, ask God for healing. It's, I, I, I healed. Because that's what God, Jesus calls us to do, isn't it? You go and heal through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, God does the healing, but he says, go and heal in the name of Jesus. When we truly grasp our original purpose as image bearers of God, it changes how we live our ordinary, boring lives of bringing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, Rachel, I can't even get through a week right now in one piece, let alone bring in the kingdom of heaven to where I am. You might be in a season where literally surviving is the challenge. Just getting through day by day, whether it's bereavement or health issues or 
battles in the marriage or in the home. And so I just want to create space for us. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and I want us to pray. And there's two things that I want us to pray for each other for. And if you're new here, I, you know, feel free to just watch. But I just encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to just get stuck in. But I just sense preparing this, that for some of you that are in just a season of, you know, like the Job season where everything goes wrong. And the mission is just to survive day by day. Then I would just love to pray hope for you. Hope for your health. Hope for your family. Hope for finances. Hope for work. And I'd love if you're sat by someone who's in the survival mode to just pray hope and breakthrough in their situations. And for the rest of us, I want us to pray courage. I want us to pray courage over one another that we would fully know the purpose of God's restoration plan of bringing heaven to earth, of connecting into the Holy Spirit through prayer and calling down the power of heavens into our situations. So I'm going to ask each of us to stand if you're able. just going to ask us to put our hands out and I'm going to pray. Father God, we know that your plan of restoration is not some airy, fairy, pie in the sky idea or just words on a page. We know that your restoration plan is is the power of the creator of heaven and earth coming down, interceding on our behalf, using our words, our actions to change lives and creation. And Father God, for those in the waiting, for those in the season of real hardship, God, I would just ask your Holy Spirit to sow hope. Would you gift them the power of hope in their lives. That you are making all things new even when we can't see it. We pray for breakthrough. We pray for healing, Father God, where there's bad health. We pray for forgiveness and reconciliation where there is breakdown in relationship. And God, we pray that you gift each and every one as the gift of courage. The courage to live our lives as if it matters. That we're not just waiting here, waiting for when we get to heaven, that everything we do here on earth is building towards your final new heavens and new earth. Would you give us the courage, Father God, to leave here as people, as Christ's ambassadors, filled with the Holy Spirit, God, that is able to intercede on other people's behalf, that is able to heal people, that is able to forgive, that is, that is able to see the miraculous in our day-to-day lives. Would we not settle, Father God, 
for sin, for brokenness. Would you lift our eyes to higher things, Father? Of breakthrough, of reconciliation, of restoration. Through your death on the cross. Amen. So as we sing this song, I just want to encourage you to, if you want prayer, either just go and talk to if you've been discipled by someone or someone in your